Welcome back, Rebels and Imperials, to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian, and I'll be joined in just a few minutes by Matt and then separately by Liz. It's been a crazy few weeks. There's been COVID scares and uh, new jobs started and a bunch of other things. We could not get the three of us together, but we got uh, us together in pairs. So Matt and I talk first about the shift from Star Wars being a movie-driven franchise to a TV-driven franchise. We talked about that in light of the start of the Book of Boba Fett, which had not started when we made the when we had the conversation. And uh, next episode will be a review of the first four or so episodes of Book of Boba Fett. And then um, the episode right after that, rather, I spoke to Liz about Rogue One as just the five-year anniversary of Rogue One's release. Well, it was in December at least, and just about sort of how Star Wars has changed since then, and uh, you know why we don't get more stories like that. So. Um, We'll return in two weeks with a Book of Boba Fett review. But until then, remember, the Force will be with you always. Okay, Matt. So we have um, not, like, super confirmed news, but in November it was announced that the Star Wars film Rogue Squadron, written and directed by Patty Jenkins, was pulled from the production calendar, and uh, it's due to a scheduling conflict with um, Jenkins. And so The Hollywood Reporter is reporting that it's been delayed, but we don't know delayed until when. And so all we know right now is that the last Star Wars film came out in December of 2019, which seems like it was 10 years ago, but it, <laughs> yeah. it actually was just two years ago, but it, it feels like. But since then, so, you know, The Mandalorian Season 1 had already been out at the time. I think it was like six or seven episodes in by the time The Rise of Skywalker came into theaters. But since then, we have had another the final season of The Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. We have had Star Wars Visions. We have mm. had the Bad Batch season one. We've had the Mandalorian season two, and we're on the precipice of the Book of Boba Fett season one. Uh, mm-hmm. I presume this is a, a standalone thing and not going to be a multiple season show, but I honestly have no idea at this point. Um, I don't think anybody really does. But you are somebody who has said to me for many, many years that Star Wars works best as a TV series. Yes. And so I'm wondering what you think about. Lucasfilm's shift to being more TV based right now. Do you think that this is a permanent decision? Do you think this is a sort of a holding pattern for a while? Like, how are you feeling about the general sense of Star Wars on TV in 2022 and beyond? I, I think part of it is they, for whatever they um, consider success, the Star Wars movies have not been as successful as they hope. Um, I mean, they make a ton of money. Even the ones that they consider flops still make a ton of money. So, again, it's whatever they are considering successful. Um, But the um, TV shows have really... I don't know if they have sold subscriptions to Disney+. Plus. I don't know how, like, what data they have as to how many people are watching... Mandalorian versus old racist Mickey cartoons. Um, <laughs> but I think it's done a hell of a lot for their merchandising. You can't get away from um, Mandalorian merchandise. Uh, not so much, obviously, Bad Batch or things like that. But you do have a dedicated um, hype machine that flows w- even with those shows that are a little more niche. Um, So I think it's a good marketing move, um, and I think it's just an excellent storyline move because they're really doing a good job of filling in some of the gaps in the story in a really great way that normally has been either books which are mildly successful or comic books which I think are generally not successful at doing that um because comic books have this weird thing um not to go against obviously multiverse but there, there's obviously <laughs> I, i'm not ready for like, a fight don't worry yeah i'm not trying to shit talk comics as a genre but there's always this like push the envelope like every 
every issue has to have something so exciting that you want to read the next issue. But when you have a 75, like, comic, serial comic about Darth Vader between two movies where you see Darth Vader, the threshold, you can't push the envelope that much. Right. So it just becomes a continual false hype. Um, but these TV series are able to kind of set new standards, introduce characters in a way that we can empathize with. Um, they're much more accessible. Um, you could jump in to even Mandalorian season two, I think without having seen season one and be fine. It doesn't matter who a cast of a thousand characters are like what happened when we tried to pick up the bounty hunter, um, miniseries. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's, they finally found their way to connect the dots in a way that isn't movies and isn't things that people who are only people who are super, super fans are going to access. So I'm, I think it's, I think they've kind of hit that strategy or, and are now less interested in maybe taking big gambles like they did with solo. But was solo a big gamble? So here, here is where I am struggling. I have no problem with star Wars being a more television based franchise. I think that just the way that, I mean, it's crazy that we think this way because the Mandalorian is produced at such a high level that it's basically, you're making like eight short films in one sitting, right? Like you're mm-hmm. they're filming eight short films as opposed to one long film. You're there is more there is way more time spent in The Mandalorian than was spent um on the sequel trilogy. There's mm-hmm. more hours of The Mandalorian than there are of the sequel trilogy. And yet we think of one as like this huge production and one as this relatively small thing even though I think if you watch them they don't feel that way. Mhm. And so I have no problem with TV being the delivery method that Lucasfilm wants to use for whatever reason. What I think is the problem is, like, so I have really good friends who love Star Wars, who have gone to see Star Wars movies on opening night their entire lives, who haven't watched The Mandalorian. Because Mm -hmm. their perspective is, well, if it was really that important, and I'm putting important in air quotes here, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, If it was really that important, it would be a movie. Because that's just how we've been trained to think about TV versus film in mm-hmm. terms of just what, like just how, how we look at things. Right. Um, it's always felt that way. I, I think this is, we can call this like the agents of shield problem mm. where I don't think after that first season, anybody thought that anything happening in agents of shield mattered at all. It was this like cloistered separate, branch of the MCU that people just weren't going to talk about. Yeah. And I think that, that was sort of the perception of of Star Wars TV. But if you watch it, you realize how that's just not true. You know, and 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 the last 5 years have really changed the way we think about this. Like, you know, having Ahsoka's voice in The Rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. is it is as direct a connection to the Clone Wars and Rebels that we've ever gotten. In a mm-hmm. TV, in in a film before, right? And yeah, how, in a main series, yeah, yeah. And you know, having Boba Fett show up in the Mandalorian adds some, uh, and and then you know, fucking Luke Skywalker showing up in the Mandalorian, like you know, having those characters, <laughs> oh, uh, uh, yeah, okay, you know, show I didn't up. Know what your sentence break was in that. Uh, so. Okay, <laughs> yeah, okay, yes, uh, no, <laughs> correct. Uh, <laughs> Luke Skywalker is not boning down on screen yet, <laughs> yet. On the Mandalorian, but you know, like just having those characters show up adds a little bit of um, credence to yeah. to that show, right? So there's been a lot more movement back and forth. To me, though, and, and this is sort of a, a bigger conversation, is I would consider myself more of a movies fan in general than a TV show fan in general. Mm-hmm. I just like the idea of a standalone thing that can be watched as its own individual tale. And I think that, you know, something like Solo, although it's not my favorite Star Wars movie, 
it does work as its own it works under its own pretenses right like you can watch that movie and you don't need to know a lot about Han Solo or Lando or Chewbacca going into it mm-hmm. and there are things that are teased for the future but you get this this like neat little package of 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 story in there um i also love the the movie theater experience i'm a, i'm a big mark for going to a movie theater and eating popcorn and drinking soda yeah, yeah. and all that like i love all that stuff so i don't want to say that stuff go away from star wars but i wonder if I wonder if the the Rise of Skywalker being such a case of 10 pounds of shit in a five-pound bag, just this like, <laughs> overstuffed thing, if they're realizing like the grand stories we want to tell really work better over eight hours as opposed to two and a half. Yeah. Well, I think only recently did Star Wars want to start telling big stories because you have – Everything in the movie, the original trilogy, they're very, uh, yes, they follow the, you know, heroic arc, but they're very just kind of, not even as a result of that paint by numbers, but they have no depth. The characters have no depth um, because there's only so much you can do in a matter of, you know, six to eight hours over a trilogy um, to really make things resonate emotionally. Um, and that, you know, is super apparent in the prequel trilogy where all, all of the character development of Anakin to Darth Vader happens within 30 minutes. Um, (laughs) which again, is a pacing issue in, in that, but it's just so much harder to show the nuances of a rebellion, a downtrodden empire, a group of fanatics taking over a movement like those things are hard to show in such a short burst, which is why I think for a long time, Star Wars was seen as really the campier of the two major franchises, where you had Star Trek telling deep stories and then Star Wars blowing things up. Um, But now Star Wars is really able to show that it is much deeper without having to bring in a bunch of random, you know, extended universe stuff. Um, That's what I like about it. I wish the movies worked better. I'm I'm not trying to say that I want the TV shows to be better. I would love the movies to be great too, but they just haven't been for a while. Well, I'm going to take slight issue with that. Um, because part of what we're going to talk about today is Rogue One, how it's it's been five years since Rogue One came out. I think Rogue One's a really good Star Wars movie. I agree. I agree. And I also think that The Last Jedi is a really good Star Wars movie. Yes. that That's the middle one, right? Yes. 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 Um, I think it's a pretty good yes. Okay. See, I, that is – that is I, I am, a, la, I am a, a Last Jedi defender to the hilt. That is my favorite of the that, – aside from Empire, that is my favorite Star Wars movie. Um, Agreed, but that's but that's you know that's a whole other story. But so like so I think the two of the and so you figure there have been five Star Wars movies produced since Lucasfilm got acquired by Disney. Mm. I would say that there are three good movies out of those five, and the third good movie is half of the Force Awakens and half of Solo. <laughs> okay, and I think that I think that you know there have been two good films from start to finish and then the force awakens is is the force awakens is just such a retread of a new hope mm-hmm. that it doc it gets docked some points for me but yeah. i think that overall that's a pretty fun movie and i think that solo there's half a good movie in there that's just kind of bogged down by some weird decisions but also that movie was there were two directors that were fired from it like there's a lot of drama yeah there's a lot of yeah around there um yeah, there's three storylines, and the best one has nothing to do with Han Solo. So yes, exactly. Yeah, so you know, I I think that there's there has been good Star Wars movies. I think that the Rise of Skywalker was so bad that mm-hmm. that has poisoned the well for a while. Yeah, but it, it also it it feels like for so long having to defend the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy by saying no, no, no. 
I know there's six of them, but two and a half of them are really good. <laughs> right. Yes. That's always <laughs> that's always kind of the Star Wars way, right? Yeah. Like, there, there's, there's always there's always in every trilogy. I think there's one unimpeachably good film, mm-hmm. and then there's you in the original trilogy. I would say the first two films are very good. Yes. Yes. And then Jedi is kind of a mess, but it's a fun mess. Uh-huh. In the prequels, I would say that half of the Phantom Menace is good, three quarters of Revenge of the Sith is good, and none of Attack of the Clones is good. <laughs> none. Um, not, not a frame of that film is good. Um, but, you know, I think that the shift to TV allows – like, it. one of the reasons that people like you and me will tell folks that Anakin and the Clone Wars – like doesn't redeem the prequels but makes the prequels more palatable mm-hmm. is because you're given the time to care about Anakin. Yeah. Right? And so yeah. I think in some ways TV is a lazier medium because mm-hmm. you don't have to distill everything down. Yeah. You can tell the story however you want to. And lazy is is a bad way to put it. It's it's it allows you to be to pace it however you want to. Yeah. It's it's a different medium where you can take more risks but also um course correct a lot easier yes oh yeah yeah and and it's it's easier to say like oh this one episode of the mandalorian not so great i I mean how much um you know blorg riding do i need to watch but there's enough episodes that it balances out easier than in a film where you're like, oh, FNS's story is awesome. I need less of, you know, train robbery. Right. It doesn't doesn't work out the same. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. So, you know, like, again, we've talked about how the prequels are changed because of the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's going to be anything going on in the Star Wars extended universe over the next 10 years that will somewhat redeem the rise of Skywalker. Hmm. Could, could be, could be, I mean, maybe a Knights of Ren spinoff. I think there are a couple of things that would very much have to change. Yeah. You would have to give more context for Palpatine's return. Mm hmm. You would have to give, I think, a little more context for um, for Poe Dameron's past because, like, there are so many weird bits of like, okay, we know his parents were part of the rebellion, but he was also a spice smuggler. Like, how is mm-hmm. that? Happen? Like, you know, there would have yeah. to be some stuff with that. I think you would have to build up some Knights of Ren stuff. There, there, there's so much. There's so much that would have yeah. to be done. I think it would take a long time, but I do think it would. I do think that it would. It's it's a worthwhile thing to look into. Mm-hmm. I think it's a worthwhile thing to sort of look into fixing that, and I think TV is the way to do that. Yeah, because pe- people just don't read the books enough or read the comics enough, and the, and the books mm-hmm. and the comics are are a mixed bag. Yeah, um, as will the TV shows be the more they make of them. Yes, and again, it's um. I, I mean, I think they do have a pretty cool story going on in the holiday specials of Ray struggling to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. I think that would be something interesting to watch because um, as a kid, my favorite um, extended universe stuff was uh, like the Young Jedi Academy. So obviously that's not going to be a happy-go-lucky story um, in what we have now, but we can watch Ray struggle. Mm-hmm with trying to be a teacher yeah. um, and not get Grogu sliced in half by the Knights of Ren. So like, I, I, I am really curious how they're going to bring Grogu into everything that isn't the yeah. Mandalorian. I, I think that's actually <laughs> a really fascinating question to ask. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like somebody did not read an email from Pablo Hidalgo <laughs> yeah. that was like, do not send him. <laughs> So, like, because the fact that he leaves with Luke lets you believe that in some capacity he's going to be killed by Kylo Ren, right? Like, um, and if not, then I – this is a problem I have. uh, This is not a spoiler for Spider-Man Far From Home at all. But, like, one of my problems with all of the 
MCU movies that aren't Avengers movies is when shit gets this bad, why don't they just call other Avengers? Like, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and so I feel like, you know, one of the things that is the problem here is, like, if Grogu was around for the sequel trilogy, why did no one call Grogu? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, so that that implies a lot of, you know, bad things are going to happen to Grogu. Yeah. Um, or, but- or it implies that he also turns to the dark side right. and is a tiny whatever Yoda's race is evil Sith, which would be kind of cool too. Yes, it would be. Uh, there's yeah. there, there's a lot of interesting stuff to be told there. And I think a lot of this stuff is going to be told on television. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any story that you feel isn't really set for TV? Um, like, like, is there a story that you feel like would be better suited for the films than television? Um, Interesting. Um, I don't, I don't know. Well, I think if it depends on what type of movie we're talking about, because I, I was in rewatching Rogue One again, was impressed by how well the military pieces translate. Mm -hmm. I think like a, a space, a bridge too far is a great way to show Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So I could see a middle series, like a Battle of Jakku era um, movie being great. You know, the end of the Empire, the final battle where they, you know, fly away into the unknown reaches. Um, like that, that era, I think would be good. Because I think it is much harder to have those epic battles on TV, it just doesn't translate as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the type of stuff I want to see in movies, um, where something like a um, bounty hunter's redemption arc, you can't really squeeze into a two and a half hour movie. So. Right, right. Um, I would say for me, it's. I think if we're going to be, I, I know we have closed the door on the Skywalker saga. Right, like we we have, we have told like Luke is dead, Leia is dead, Ben Solo mm-hmm. is dead. Mm-hmm. The Skywalkers are no longer destroying the universe, um, yeah, one piece at a time. But I feel like Ray's story will likely continue in movies if it continues anywhere. Yes, I, I don't know what that story could be. And I think that's maybe what makes it interesting mm-hmm. because the, the new trilogy was just the retelling of the old trilogy. Like the empire just did the same thing, continually building bigger death stars. Right. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, we cannot continue with that. That cannot be our path forward. Um, it's, you know, death stars all the way down at this point. Yes. So I, <laughs> so whatever that ends up being, I think would be cool. Um, are we bringing in other galactic empires? Maybe. I mean, Mandalorian season two brings that in, right. um, with including Thrawn in like non-animated canon. So who knows? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see what gets the movie treatment. I think that, like, the reason that the Rose Squadron movie is happening, if it happens, mm-hmm. is because Patty Jenkins wanted it to happen, and they wanted it to be in the Patty Jenkins business. Yeah, I I, think... I would love to be famous enough to be like, oh, Star Wars. Hold on, I've got other things going on. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah, I, like I, <laughs> I believe Wonder Woman three is the movie that is uh, delaying that. Did Which, she wh- watch the second one? Well, she made the second one, and I think maybe she feels like, oh shit, I have to fix this. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, you know. Oh um, man. Yeah, so we'll maybe, maybe she. I feel like maybe she just zoned out somewhere in the editing process. Watched it on HBO and was like, "Oh no, oh, no, what have I done?" <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, you know, but but I think that you're gonna see, like, supposedly Kevin Feige from Marvel mm-hmm. is going to do a Star Wars movie. Okay. Uh, I I still they have not officially canceled. Ryan Johnson, who did The Last Jedi, his new trilogy, which is supposed to be all new characters. 
Okay. Uh, that is supposedly still happening, although th- there has not been an update on it since the last Jedi was released. Um, <laughs> because I, because I think I think everybody thought the last Jedi was going to be this big hit, mm-hmm. and it was, but it was also very divisive. So I think yeah. that they're they're holding off on anything like that with him until I I, I don't know until what until whatever happens. But um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just think that the movies are going to be where you're able to get these big named people to show up and play around and do whatever they want to do. But yeah. I don't think that the movies are going to be the primary driver of the, what I'll call the meta narrative, right? Like the overarching star Wars story. I don't think the films are going to be where that stuff happens anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, I guess it really depends on, if Lucasfilm believes that that's the future. Because mm-hmm. if they still want to be making movies the way they were in the 90s, they're not going to be happy with this. But the amount of Star Wars TV shows that are in the works makes me believe that they're cool with this, like that this is okay mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's nice to see things get an official blessing other than video games. Because for a while, Lucas only really... Gave his thumbs up to video games. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, which is a whole other conversation that I am like woefully ignorant of. I have I have not played a lot of Star Wars video games. Mm. Um, in part just because I haven't bought a gaming system in a long time, mm. so it's it's hard. Like I don't have an Xbox. Yeah. I don't have a PS4 or or five. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one has a PS5. It seems at this point. It's, no, no. An N64 is really what you need to get the true experience i'll let you borrow we should we should do that we should have you play through um shadows of the empire mm-hmm. and then talk about it i was thinking about because i have friends who claim that knights of the old republic are like the best games so i was thinking about going on ebay and getting an old xbox uh-huh. and uh, playing through knights of the old republic at some point yeah yeah that's that's also a good one uh just just to see but again i would need time for that <laughs> i don't know mm. when that i don't know mm. where that time's coming from but that's a whole other story yeah true um, so last thing before I let you go, I want to talk about the Book of Boba Fett a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that is debuting uh, when folks hear this in, like, I guess it's five days after this episode goes live. Yes. And um, I think both of us come from a similar Boba Fett place, which is that we were, like, we're old enough to remember when Boba Fett was just the guy from Empire and Jedi. Mm-hmm. And we're also old enough to remember people who thought he was the coolest character in Star Wars. Yeah. And then we're old enough to remember his uh, sort of annoyingness on the animated series and all of that. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think – what are your expectations and hopes for this series? I – so my expectations um, from the trailer – what I don't understand is how Boba Fett, who for a long time, his whole thing was he was the scariest bounty hunter. Everyone feared him, um, quaked at his name, um, is replacing Jabba's rule by fear, not with more fear, but with like an even handedness. <laughs> so I, I don't know if this is like a... Tony Soprano, like a face and then still being brutal, or if maybe, you know, living with the um, Tuscan Raiders really opened his eyes to the greater world and he's now a goodish guy. Um, which again would be great because I think anything we can do to humanize the Tuscan Raiders to make the scene in. Um, uh, Rise of Revenge of the Sith more impactful is great. But I I don't know. I don't know why we're trying to make this character endearing when his whole thing was that he's, you know, the ultimate badass. He doesn't care about anybody. He'll kill other bounty hunters. He'll screw other people over. Um, I mean, the last time... No. I'm going to say... Last time I saw him before the bounty hunter thing was in 
the official Star Wars comic series where he's hunting for Luke Skywalker, mm-hmm. where he just like think lights a dude on fire <laughs> right. uh, for no reason, and then gets his ass kicked by a blind Luke. Um, but he's always getting his ass kicked. <laughs> right. Well, so, um, so that's that's sort of why I think this is such a fascinating decision to make. I feel like for people who thought that Boba Fett was was just like cool, mm-hmm. I understand why you do a Boba Fett series. Because there are people who still think that I mean, it's a great design. It's one. It's one of the best Star Wars designs ever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think for people who like who just want to talk about how cool he looks, I totally get it. What I don't get is that for anybody who's really paid attention, I don't know why you'd want a Boba Fett story. I mean, this Boba Fett story. I mean, because you want to use this actor, okay. But there is there was at least the story at the end of the clone wars where cad bane takes boba fett in as an apprentice Mm -hmm. and that's where the whole like dented helmet thing comes in like there's a very rich story with a much better bounty hunter in it um not comparing um fennec shand she's awesome but i don't know why we need boba just make it a fennec shand story yes at that point I, i agree yeah. I agree. Um, I, I I think that the goal here is always like so. One of the things that Star Wars has been trying to do is to somewhat rehabilitate old characters and and specifically the actors from the series who didn't get their due. Like I think Hayden Christensen being part of the Obi Wan show mm-hmm. is specifically because people feel bad that he got such the shit end of the stick yeah. with those movies. I think in some ways that's noble and cool. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's different to do that for the actor than for a fictional character. Yeah, but the actor could have also been Rex because he was Rex. Right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I mean. Like, I don't understand why there is this rehabilitation of Boba Fett when you're trying to do something cool for Tamara Morrison. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, that's just a very, it's just a very weird thing. It feels like you're very much watering down his character. Yes. Like, I, I the fact that he came back, um, killed Bib Fortuna, and took over, that was like, okay, that's a Boba Fett move. He was kind of using um, the situation to leverage himself, and now he's back. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, but now the, you know, egalitarian rule of hut space just seems dumb and and maybe that's a front and that's what i that would it was what i would like to see is this this i now rule through peace um and mutual respect is just bullshit and he's still throwing people into rancor pits (laughs) so is there one thing that you're um that you specifically want to see? Like in terms of a character mm-hmm. interaction or do you want to see a flashback to him crawling out of the Sarlacc pit? Like, is there anything that you feel like is needed there? Um, needed, needed would be the Sarlacc pit. Wanted would be Cad Bane. Okay. So that, I'll be honest with that, yeah. yeah but I, I think we, we need to get somewhere from Jedi to now. So, yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty. Yeah, yeah. I, I especially think... now that he's crawling out of the mouth of like a tentacle monster instead of a sand butthole. Like right, it's yes. much easier to get out of the old one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, I I think it's going to be fascinating to see how much of the series. Like part of me thinks that what we're seeing is only half the series mm-hmm. that this um the sort of he's the new Jabba character he's the new criminal underworld leader that that is half the story and the other half yeah. is a flashback to him coming out of the Starlight pit or shocker it's a story of him being whiny teenage boba fett <laughs> right yeah <laughs> uh, you know like have having something different going on here yeah. um i just think that ooh you think we get samuel jackson Oh man. 
See now, to me, that is the great unexplored question of <laughs> of uh, Order sixty six. Yeah, is whatever happened to um? Oh, why am I blanking on his name? I'm not. I'm going to wait. It is. You you have it ready, don't you? I do. Mace Windu. Mace, oh, thank you. Yes, couldn't I, couldn't I pull it? I'm so embarrassed myself. I'm not going to pull that. Um, but like to me, Mace Windu is a is an interesting character. But I don't know if a Boba Fett show is the place for him. I think because at this point, Mace Windu will be very old. <laughs> that is true. But I mean, even in flashbacks, Mace Windu is the reason Boba Fett is who he is. Correct. Like, that revenge drove him for most of his life. And I wonder if he only let that go after being ingested by the Sarlacc. Right. Because I think he only is able to become the new Boba Fett by letting go of that vengeance. Right. Or I'm really giving Star Wars too much credit in character development, (laughs) and it does, you know, whatever. (laughs) It's probably all of the above. Yes. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. All right, Liz, it has been five years since for uh, since I say The Force Awakens. No, since Rogue One came out in movie theaters. And we have done a podcast about Rogue One before. So I, I don't want to talk about necessarily like the plot of Rogue One, but I want to talk about what Rogue One, I think, why it worked and sort of how its legacy has been felt in Star Wars, if it has at all since it came out. So just to, just to recap, though, what are your like overall one minute thoughts on rogue one uh, my overall one minute thoughts on rogue one well i know we talked before about how rogue one is one of my top star wars movies and it, it still is after a rewatch i still enjoy it and i'm going to say one of the things that stood out to me as i rewatched it this time is that I feel Rogue One is a movie that doesn't beg you to like its characters, which really stood out to me. In contrast to the sequel trilogy, which I feel really tends to beg you to like its characters in some sense. Um, I feel like that's not necessarily the case in Rogue One, which makes me like the characters more. Um, which is something I don't think I really thought about um, before this rewatch, um, you know, until five years um, after mm-hmm. seeing Rogue One, um, I, which was new to me. Um, that's something that really stood out this time. You know, that's a, that's a good point, and I, I don't know if I would have phrased it that way, but as I was watching it, I do think that there is more moral ambiguity in these characters than almost any other Star Wars movie. And some of those things get resolved by the end of the movie, but some of them really da- really don't. Like, um, for instance, you know, the first thing we see Cassian Andor do is kill somebody who is informing him. Like, he, he, he kills somebody not because they're bad, not because they are... Um, uh, doing something they shouldn't be doing simply because they they pose a threat to him because they, they might get caught and he just it's more convenient to kill him and to let him live and while we get while we spend a good part of the movie getting to like you said like Cassian he never really redeems himself for that he doesn't no. change his ways there there isn't there isn't a ton of like 
personal growth there? At least I don't think so. Do you do you think so? No, there isn't. It's not, you know, an, an overwhelming redemption arc for any of these characters, unless, you know, the whole thing is, you know, they wind up destroying the Death Star in, you know, um, A New Hope, if that is their ultimate redemption. But no, character-wise, there isn't. You're right. Uh, and even, even like, um, you know... I I think maybe the character who I don't want to say changes the most, but like like Baze and Chirrut are characters that are more or less true to who they are. They get wrapped up in this thing that they probably never expected to get wrapped up in. But I don't think either of them really acts out of character throughout the film. Baz at the very end. Baz Baze? Is it Baze? That's a good question. That is one of the things I don't like about Rogue One. They never say the characters' names enough, ever. Yeah, I know, and I have a hard time with it. Yes. Uh, I think it's Baze. Baze at the end, like, after Chirrut is is killed, he kind of keeps keeps fighting, and he, he starts he starts repeating the mantra, you know, I, uh, I'm with the Force, Force with me, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever that is. And that is, like, the closest to character growth we get from that character. Yeah. It's just that he more openly embraces the Force. Mm-hmm. But even that seems like a small, minor change in the character. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I guess Jin kind of changes. I, yeah, and I, I mean, at the beginning, even too, I was thinking at the beginning when I was watching, I was a little distracted. And again, I, I mean, she's is she a criminal in the beginning? She's being arrested, right? And that's when yeah. she's rescued by K two. And we don't get too much information about that. And obviously her life has been a struggle ever since, um, you know, her, her mother was killed um, mm-hmm. by the Empire and, you know, her father was taken. Um, and I guess, you know, there's some sort of maybe backstory as to why that's the case. But I, yeah, and again, I, I, yeah, you know, there's not much character change necessarily. Um, yeah. But that's I, and I think that that is really interesting. And it, you know, one of the thing, one of the criticisms that was lobbied at Rogue One before it even came out was basically, why are you telling the story that no one needs to see? And you know, I, I know that you're a Lost fan, so I can throw this reference at you, and it's not it's not going to go over your head. But um, and coincidentally, the first episode of Book of Boba Fett is called Stranger in a Strange Land, which Ooh. is the name of the worst episode of Lost, which Ooh. is the which is the episode. Which is all about Jack's tattoos. Um, oh, okay. With um, I forget who the there's a model who's who plays a role in that an Asian model and she's a terrible actress and, but my point was like, I felt when I first heard about this like this is going to be a Jack's tattoos story. There's no reason why stealing the plans inherently is an interesting thing to do a movie about, but. This is, to me, the best example that Star Wars has done so far of taking a small story and, um, and you know, making us care about these characters that ultimately don't, I don't want to say don't matter. I hate saying I that. I know. But, but you, you understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, like there's, I, I do. There's, there's really, I know they're making a, um, a Cassian Andor series, but there's mm-hmm. really, you, all you need to know about Cassian, you get in that movie. All you need to know about Jin, you get in that movie. Like all those characters, are just single. To, to quote Fight Club, single serving friends, right? Who 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 serve their purpose and then move on. And I think that a lot of Star Wars ancillary media for a long time has been doing these type of stories. But there's something about Rogue One that feels different. It, it does. Right. It- it really does. And I, yeah, I know. And part of, part of what I noticed this time too, is, you know, our, the main character, the one that's leading this group it is a female and she's amongst this group of male characters. And I feel like a common thing also to do is to throw in some sort of romance and I'm not against romance. I feel like there is room for romance in star Wars. You are pro romance in general. <laughs> I, yeah. I like a romance who doesn't, you know, who right, doesn't of course. Like a love of story sometimes, but I really like the fact that that didn't happen here, that there was no romance really between um, Jin and Cassian or, which I felt like was like, you know, the easy thing to do. They Agreed. just, they had a job to do and they did it. And they were together at the end. They didn't die alone. 
Um, and I, I really liked that about this movie, um, that she had a purpose and she needed to get this job done. She needed to get the plans. Um, and, you know, she led this group and did that. And I, I think that's something I also that really made me enjoy this movie. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think that their embrace at the end has no romantic overtone whatsoever. Yeah. Like, they're just, they're exhausted. They did the job they had to do. They're going to die. They don't want to die alone. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, that, that's it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I understand that. I understand that that emotion. Um, And, you know, unlike The Rise of Skywalker, which <laughs> shoehorned a kiss in for no reason at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would almost understand the shoehorn kiss at the end of Rogue One more than the Rise of Skywalker. That is true. You're right. I'm not advocating for it. I'm not. No, I, but, yeah, me either, but, I, but you're right. I, I think it would make more sense in that context mm-hmm. than what we've got than what we got here. Um, yeah. Uh, in Rise of Skywalker, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, but so uh, I, I wanted to I wanted to ask you about sort of why you think we haven't seen more Rogue One-like stories. The The easy answer here is that Solo did not live up to the expectations that Lucasfilm had for it in terms of, I think, both budget, both like monetary reward and also um, critical enjoyment and fan enjoyment. Like it's, 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 I would say it's routinely the least talked about Star Wars movie. Rogue One is the least talked about. No, no, no. Solo is. Oh, Solo. Gotcha. And so I think that, I think that, uh, that Solo is, is that that failure is the reason we haven't seen more of these, a Star Wars story movies beyond those two so far. Mm -hmm. Um, but do you think there's something like fundamental about, I do think that people are less interested in a movie like this because it doesn't have characters that they know or because it doesn't have a Jedi at the center of it. Like, do you think that that's some of the reason we haven't seen more films like this? that's what I was thinking about it as I was watching um, the movie. And I, that's kind of the conclusion I came to is perhaps it doesn't have that traditional star Wars mythology that people tend to enjoy talking about, you know, there's no element of the Jedi, um, you know, in this movie um it, it's you know that single sort of standalone story that doesn't necessarily link to that larger um universe that larger mythology and, and that's all i could really think of because I, I feel like in those you know sequel um in the sequel trilogy they tried to link to so many different pieces um, to try to serve so many purposes to serve so many fans that that's sort of what I don't know they're looking for Um, and you know that's not really what made Rogue One enjoyable Um, it was maybe you know the fact that it was a standalone story and yeah you know maybe Solo's um, um, I you know I I don't know if it was really a failure but the fact that it seems like a failure um, made them step back from this, uh, but you know, it, it seems like maybe those uh, these TV shows are approaching that sort of Rogue One story, um, but maybe not theatrically. Yeah, I I wonder. You know, it, to me, it's to me Rogue One and The Mandalorian have a fair amount of shared DNA in the fact that both are. Both feature some like prominent Star Wars characters. You know, you get Darth Vader in Rogue One. You get a mm-hmm. glimpse of Leia. You get a tiny bit of um, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin in there. You know, and in the Mandalorian, obviously, mm-hmm. we get a little bit of Luke. We get um, some connections to uh, you know Ahsoka and and Bo-Katan and these sort of animated things. But they both kind of a- operate in their own little universe. They both have. Um, characters at the center that if you squint you can kind of see their predecessors in star wars mm-hmm. right like whether it's boba fett for the mandalorian or Jin is basically a con solo in a lot of ways just this like you know just the, the the classic like rogue um you know uh brass brassy you know just a brash you know uh 
person who, who who's fighting for the good, even though they're not necessarily a true believer in it, you know. Um, but to me, there's a difference in that I feel like Star Wars is really good at building worlds and building out. I, mean, I feel like you know, you, you sp- we probably spend is it twenty minutes on Jakku in all of the Force Awakens, but I feel like I know a lot about Jakku because Star Wars is so good at doing that, right? Um, and I think that. The Mandalorian has been like world building writ large, where you've seen them build out not just locations and not just characters, but like we have a better sense, I think, of the entire like the Mandalorian religion now and about sort of what the Empire was like after things broke apart. And I, I think all that's great, but I think Rogue One tells one of the few like concise stories in all of Star Wars. And sometimes you just need that like small, contained, concise story. I don't know. I don't know how else to put that. Yeah, and I I like the way you put that, and I I agree. Yeah, I, I feel like I can just sit down and ro- watch Rogue One. Right. Even and though I feel it, like, it does tie in, it just feels it, different. Yeah, and I, I feel like Rogue One is a movie I can just recommend to someone. Um, I, you know, someone that likes Star Wars or doesn't like Star Wars. Right. I mean, I I don't think you need to know too much about it before you go into it. I mean, yes, it, it I think it makes it more interesting if you know what it will lead to. Definitely. But I don't think you need it. No. At least I don't think I need it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> I can't speak for anybody else, I guess. But, um, now, do you think that Rogue One... I mean, I, I guess let's put ourselves back in the shoes five years ago. Did mm. you do you think that people were as excited about Rogue One in the moment as they appear to be now? Because I think most people agree with you that it's one of the top tier Star Wars movies. Um, do you think people were feeling that way in the moment, or is that a retro a retroactive uh, respect that it's gained? That's a good question, and I can't say that my memory is that clear. I'm going to say my anticipation for it was very high. And my excitement level for it was high. And I'm trying to remember just the general feeling um, of everyone else. It, it wasn't the first, you know, new Star Wars movie. Um, I, I feel like I, I remember a lot of the big talk was the fact that there wasn't going to be a scroll that was, that was going to be, re- you know, taken out. That was mm-hmm. just for the new um, trilogy. Um, that would be different with this. Um, so I feel like there were some maybe trepidation in terms of changes since it was sort of a new standalone movie and how that would play. Um, I, I feel like, you know, I, I feel anticipation was was high. Um, I, but to be honest, I, I, I can't remember. I, I feel like I remember my own feelings. Um, and I know I went to go see it more than once. Um, and... I, I do remember how I felt. I, I really liked the Darth Vader scene. Um, yes. And I, I feel like that is still a highlight for me, but I feel like now the movie overall has sort of evened out for me. That's not necessarily the highlight. Um, and maybe that's something time has done for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that Vader scene was the thing that everybody was talking about. I don't remember if we knew that Vader was going to be in the film or not. Yeah, me either. And, yeah, me either. And I know that wasn't his only scene. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like that end scene perhaps was a surprise. Yeah. I think that that end scene for sure was. I think that, you know, it was also one of the things that I remember thinking about as not as a kid, but let's say as, as like a teenager was that everything about Darth Vader is scary because of his appearance but very rarely does Darth Vader do scary stuff in Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Like the scariest thing you see Vader do really is what he does in the first five minutes of A New Hope, where like <laughs> where he, he crushes that guy's throat. Um, yes. Uh, other than that, like, you know, it's scary because he's fighting the characters we care about, but he's not like a particularly terrifying villain. The Rogue One scene changes that. 
You're right. Yeah. And I also liked in this movie how when um, Krennic meets with him, I, and I feel like Ben Mendelsohn does such a great job of playing that character. Like Krennic mm-hmm. is obviously a great villain and he's pretty scary, but Krennic is obviously invisibly frightened of Vader as well. But you're right. Like we don't really get to see Vader as uh, act out his um, his potential, perhaps yeah. uh, physically. And he does here. And I think that that's actually a good thing, like from a storytelling perspective, is that mm-hmm. you should always leave more to the imagination than you're actually going to see. Uh, at least that's that's how I've always, you know, been taught to to like when you're writing something, you don't want to exhaust every possible potential in the beginning. You want to you want to give time to build up and let people use their imaginations and and fill in the blanks that aren't there necessarily. And um, so I think that Star Wars does that really well. But this scene really perfectly gives you a sense of why everybody is so scared of Darth Vader. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, I might be, I, you know, I might be prejudiced because obviously Star Wars is a big reference point for me, but it, it seems that a lot of people or a good deal of people use Darth Vader as an ultimate villain. Whenever you reference a villain, it seems like Darth Vader is frequently used, mm-hmm. whether someone is a Star Wars fan or not. Right. And and you, what's crazy about that is when you think about it, like, Again, there, there, there's a lot of anticipation in the villain status of him. Like you see him, and he's so physically intimidating, you think he's going to be this crazy villain. But ultimately, like yes, he 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 technically he kills Obi Wan, but Obi Wan allows that to happen. Mm-hmm. He kills the Emperor, but does that in like that makes him a hero, not a villain. Like there really isn't a ton in his actions that are super villainous. It's just built on, I think, three things. The image, the voice, and the music. I think that the the Imperial March is such a dramatic piece of music that we just hear that and we are instantly transported to a scary place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I that yeah, I think that's a great assessment. Uh and so you mentioned something I did want to talk about, and that's Ben Mendelssohn as Krennic. Mm-hmm. I think he's by far the best part, the best acting part of the movie. Ooh, I agree. He's given the most to do part, is part of it. You know? Yeah. Mads Mikkelsen's great. All the actors are great. But he's just given so much to do as Krennic. That first scene where they are on the, whatever the name of the planet is, where they're hiding out. And he expresses sympathy for the quote death of um, Jin's mother, mm. but then says like, oh, look, there she is, returned from the grave or whatever. He, he plays both oh. in such a way that you know, you know after he says that, that he knew it was bullshit the whole time, but he's <laughs> pretending like it's just, it's a really, really good, a really great performance. It is, yes. Uh, are there any other sort of uh, actors in it you wanted to quickly shout out? Um, no, but actually the fact that you mentioned that scene um, was something that I noted as well, just in this movie, that it doesn't open with necessarily an action scene, that it does focus on Jin's story, which I, was noteworthy, I thought. Um, I feel a lot of you know Star Wars movies do open with some sort of big action scene, mm-hmm. um, and this one didn't, which you know I feel worked well. Um, and again, focusing on you know Krennic's character, we get to learn a lot about him right at the start there. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, um, oh, K two always enjoy some K two. Yes, of course. Yes, and I, I believe that he's not supposed to be part of the first season of Andor, which is disappointing. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. Maybe. Uh. Oh, what's his name that voices him? He's in that sci-fi series. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Apparently, he wanted to do it, but they said if there's a season two, he'll do it. Okay. It just it wasn't. I guess it depends how how far back the story is going, or if there's a reason for it, or if he's just saying mm-hmm. that he'll be a part of it, you know, still because you never know yeah. with uh, with Star Wars that they're actually being honest or they're faking you out. <laughs> That's true. Um, but yeah, um, I guess let let's end with this question: Do you do you have high hopes for the Andor series? That's a good question. And to be honest with you, I completely forgot about it until I started rewatching Rogue One. And um, um, sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, yes, I do. Um, I, tempered high hopes, I guess. I'm going in hopeful. What do you want to see from it? 
I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know what to expect. Um, I, and again, we don't know too much about the character at all, really. Because again, I, there's no real backstory developed here. So there are so many places to go. Um, maybe like, you know, what you had mentioned before, how the Mandalorian has opened up, you know, so much in terms of universe development. Maybe we'll get some of that here. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I feel like there are just so many places to go here. There are just so many options. Yeah, I, I'm wondering if this is going to give us a... Like, one of the nice things about Rogue One, I think, is that we get a sense of the rebellion. Although they are the good guys, they are not all good guys. Like, we see Cassian is given the order, like, when you see... Uh, Galen Erso, you kill him. Like no matter what he's, no matter what I just said to you in that meeting, you kill him, right? Like there is, there are, there are underhanded tactics taken because some things are more important and just need can't be left to uh, to chance, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if we're gonna get a a better sense of like, is that how the whole rebellion was? Is that just his role in the rebellion? Like, I, I'm interested to see what we see about the rebellion itself through his eyes. True. Yes. Yeah. And that kind of goes along with that first time we see him and he shoots um, the guy giving him that information. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder, I wonder if this will continue to be the Jimmy Smith's tour of, (laughs) you know, he got like one line in the prequels and they keep (laughs) trotting him out. stuff. I would love to see more Jimmy Smith. He's great. Yeah. I, I do love Jimmy Smith's. Um, so I, I, w- I wonder if we'll see that. Um, but you know, it's uh, it's it, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be really weird because I feel like it's it's always hard to tell a story. So I, I, I one time heard somebody describe comic books as perpetually second act stories, where like if you're reading a Batman comic, you know how Batman started. And you know they're not going to kill Batman, <laughs> so you're telling all these stories that like exist in between, uh, beginning and end, and you can't do too much because you can't really influence the end, right? And so this is kind of a similar thing where like you know how his story ends, you can't make him a Jedi in this, right? You can't, <laughs> you can't give him a cybernetic arm. Like there are just there are certain things that are. Um, are are just locked in because of where this story takes place in the timeline. Mm-hmm. And I'm always a little bit suspicious of those stories because I don't understand necessarily why this is a story they'd rather tell than a new story. Yeah. But I think it could still be very good. Yeah. I think it could still be fun. Yeah, um, I mean, even the Mandalorian, to a certain extent, is not really a new story. Hmm, oh, that's interesting. Like, um, because and here's the thing: the show is called The Mandalorian, but I think ultimately the idea was the Baby Yoda show. Yeah, <laughs> and if that's the case, we we have to presume that. Grogu is dead by the time of the Rise of Skywalker, right? Yeah, I mean, he makes no appearance. You would think if there was another super powerful Jedi out there, Luke would have been, you know, relying on him for something. Um, Mm -hmm. So I feel like, you know, it's telling, uh, you know, the Mandalorian is telling a story of this new character, but ultimately we know where the Star Wars universe, where the meta narrative goes 30 years past that. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a little bit of a shame that the only the only stories that Star Wars feels it can tell in that in the future future are like stories that are on screen like on the big screen that there's not going to be a TV series set in that world. It is odd how nothing moves forward and we just keep moving back. Yeah, and filling in the gaps. Yeah, it's hmm. We've talked about this on the show before, but like the only place that is doing any post Rise of Skywalker stories are the two Lego specials. Yeah, <laughs> which, <laughs> which are really can, fun. Yeah, know. and I feel like they can just push to the side, and you know, it's just Lego. So right, exactly. Hmm. Um, yeah, but, yeah. It's it's strange. I I really wonder 
if they had pushed uh, Solo six months. So if, if you recall correctly, both um, Force Awakens and um, I think all three sequel trilogy movies were supposed to come out in May originally and all got pushed to December. And so it was supposed to be all May releases. It was going to be every May. It was going to be it was going to be Rise of Sky, uh, Force Awakens, Rogue One, Last Jedi, Solo, and then um, Rise of Skywalker, and then it's supposedly a Boba Fett movie that was supposed to be the third a Star Wars story movie. And then they all got pushed, except they kept Solo in the May spot, even though there was no movie coming in December. And I really think that the Last Jedi was a bit contentious. The people did not. You know, I I love that movie. I I will maintain that is the second best Star Wars movie ever made. But a lot of people don't like the Last Jedi, and I think if they had given a little bit more time for people to come down off of that opinion, and let Ron Howard have more time with Solo and not rush it out, I think it would have changed things. And I also wonder if maybe they would have reconsidered having J.J. Abrams direct the third movie. Like, there's just there are so many things that I feel like. Because Solo didn't hit, they got panicked and pulled the oh shit cord and made decisions that were short-term decisions versus long-term decisions. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if we would be talking about this movie differently if by this point we had another two movies in this A Star Wars Story banner out there. And I also wonder if um, we'd be getting more stories after that. It, it just it just seems like a really weird way to 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 stop doing like if they're really giving the Skywalker saga a break, then they should be making other movies like Rogue One, but they're not doing that either. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I yeah I, I don't really understand why nothing is moving forward in terms of movies and in time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Story time. Yeah. Yeah.